Welcome to Null Pointers. Today we'll be talking about something that I absolutely love, Azure Functions, so stay tuned. Hi, my name is Mark Alibone, and I'm here with my best buddies from the entire world. Steve Davison. And Gerald Slows. So, how's life been going for you guys? Keeping it together in these corona times? Yeah, well, business as usual. Business as usual, so... Uh, you know, actually, tomorrow they're going to... I don't know how it is in other countries, but tomorrow they're picking up, like, the, the paper for recycling. So you can uh, put your paper by the road, and someone will pick it up and... I don't know, go somewhere, it gets recycled. Uh, but they stopped picking it up a couple of weeks ago. So there's a massive pile of old paper things, cardboard things um, at the roadside by now. But yeah. We can start a fire here as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the same here uh, in Switzerland where they start to now uh, solve our first world problems again, um, which, is, which is always good, which is always good because, uh, yeah, all, all papers, it's a, it's a, it's a real bugger right now i mean you can always use it as toilet paper i guess whenever you uh, run out but well they're, they're actually back in stores too here so um that's that's great so much normality coming back i think yeah i think things are slowly getting back to normal we have a roadmap for how things are going to be as of june 1st july 1st um, i think we uh, with with some exceptions we can basically go about our normal usual business again so who knows yeah yeah and uh i've actually seen steven this week live in the camp well at least as long as the camera was working sorry to put this on record steven <laughs> that was that was interesting i i especially like the part uh with the with the custom fonts that you were doing there that was uh i didn't know that you could do it that easy actually so that's great little thing to learn yeah i was uh live streaming for the well, second time, and I was adding a custom font into my beautiful Xamarin Forms app using embedded fonts, which is a new feature in Xamarin Forms, allowing you to to basically have one line of code and add the font into your shared project, and you're good to go. That's a really cool feature. I had to just do that like a couple of weeks ago, and you had to jump through some hoops before that feature came out. So that's something really cool. And I'm looking forward to the next project where I then can take that shortcut on. Shortcuts are always good, especially for us developers. So I've I've been browsing the Twitterverse as I do. I have a lot of free time on my hands with all this <laughs> Corona stuff. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of code spaces floating by. What's that all about? Code spaces, code in space. Yeah, so code spaces is pretty cool. Uh, you might know it for, as Visual Studio Online. Um, I think two or three weeks ago, it was called Visual Studio Online. Um, and before that, you might have known Visual Studio Online because that was the old name of Azure DevOps. Yep, naming is hard. But now it's called Codespaces, and that's really cool because uh, it's it's going to be officially Visual Studio Codespaces, but it's going to be in uh, GitHub natively. And what it basically is, is uh, Visual Studio Code, um, the the really low-key uh, editor that you can use for all kinds of things. It's it's pretty 
big on the extensions, so you can do pretty cool stuff with it. Uh, Visual Studio Code in an uh, in a browser, and you can run all your projects from that browser. You can just go to a repo on GitHub, um, dive into a code space, and you can edit all the things there. You can create a PR there, uh, build it, run it, submit it. Um, it's it's pretty cool, powerful stuff. Cool. Does that does that also mean I can start coding? on my iPad in the browser with a Visual Studio? Yep. Yeah, definitely. That is one of the possibilities. Uh, so what they're really doing is uh, they're taking apart like the um, the heavy lifting. So the, the, the real compilation running that kind of thing happens on the server side. And yeah, you just basically have a, a very lightweight, um, a thin client, if you will. We're going back to thin clients. Um, uh, on your client, uh, on your computer, on your iPad, on your phone, on whatever, uh, whatever can can load the visual uh, the, the Visual Studio Code editor in a browser, um, and you can just use that. So yeah, so that's cool. I mean, I'm I'm still using a lot the continuous IDE for on my on my iPad or like a lot whenever I feel like wanting to code on my iPad. I don't know if you know it. Uh, it's a it's an IDE by Frank Kruger, and it just got a really nice update like today as we are recording this and now you can do C sharp eight and F sharp 4.5 and some XAML with Xamarin forms. And it, I must say, you know, you think an iPad is actually just for consumption, but those things are fast. Oh yeah. And it's, it's more and more like a laptop or hybrid or whatever. I mean, they're adding a cursor now and, and, and the keyboard. So it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, the, the only thing that's left to do is, uh, bring something out like windows eight or so and uh yeah <laughs> happy revival yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ashamed to say that my ipad is dedicated peppa pig machine so Aww. not gonna happen very soon probably <laughs> well yeah. so yeah there's uh there's a lot of awesome stuff happening there i think that was a big announcement on uh, uh github satellite which is a big uh, github event um, so yeah, we'll probably hear a lot about that. So does this now mean, trying to come back to the topic of the show, that I can now code my cloud code in the cloud and Phew, that's, write that's, my that's functions? That's a lot of cloud. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of the things you could do. I mean, you can... Um, I mean, this is this is all. I'm I'm not really sure what the status is of the code spaces right now. Um, I think it's in private preview. Um, there is. We are now recording this around the build conference by Microsoft. So um, it, I don't know what's going to be announced around this there, but uh, yeah, hopefully it will it will be more in the public and more people can start using this. You can already do it now with uh, by going to codespaces.visualstudio.com and have a play with it. Um, but yeah, you, it, it will be tightly integrated with GitHub and you can just spin up uh, a project from, from the repository right there and you can edit all the Azure functions from it as well. That's cool. That's cool. And I mean, speaking of Azure functions, I mean, I already said in the intro, I mean, I really like Azure functions, but I know there's one person on this show going by the name of Steven. I think he likes them even more. So why I do love you love I love Why it. do you love it so much? Maybe it's maybe we should first tell people that don't know about it what it actually is. Um, what is their function? What <laughs> is a function? Um, so Azure Functions is a well, pretty much as as low as you can get 
um, in the cloud. It's it's just that a function. Um, so if you have a function in your in your code somewhere, you probably do. Um, it it's just that little piece of code running on a web server um, somewhere in the cloud, which takes an input uh, and gives you one or multiple outputs in that regard. So it it allows you to just if you have some kind of snippet that does a lot of hard work like like a big piece of work um, you can offload that into the cloud and uh, trigger something else after that is done which can well can pretty much be anything you you want it's in the end it's just c sharp code so whatever you can think of you can do afterwards um, so either call maybe another function even um, or just put a response somewhere in a database or whatever basically so it's kind of the glue code of the cloud so you can put together functions and call together you can plug together services stuff like that yeah yeah if you have for example a a, a queue mechanism somewhere that you want to um, process through you could make the queue the input of a specific azure function that um, alters whatever objects are coming in or does something with them and sends it off to somewhere else into an, a database or an ERP system or wherever you want to go. And then, uh, yeah, just that, that processing function can live in the cloud and all those other bits could as well, but you could also put it into another database that's also hosted on Azure. So it, it just, yeah, it's kind of the glue between a lot of stuff that you can think of. I mean, just, just sitting here right now, I've done quite a few different things with it, ranging from financial trading bots kind of things to, yeah, just basic an HTTP method that grabs a value from a database. So it's it's really versatile in that regard. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. I mean, it it's just basically like like Stephen already said, it's the highest abstraction that you can get at least right now until they come up with something else. You don't need to worry about an OS. You don't need to worry about a web server. You don't have to configure all these things. You don't have to configure your IIS website thing. That will all happen um, automatically, and you can just be, you can just focus on the little uh, business logic that you can do. So this is very suitable also for. Uh, micro architectures and that kind of stuff uh, you really want to or, I mean you can do anything in these functions right but they're meant to do like really elemental things uh, you just um, execute one thing uh, stateless mostly and you can forget about it yeah I, I really like Azure Functions for the, the lightweights they, they impose like the setup is really minimal I have I don't have to configure a web server which uh, I mean it has its, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking back and it's, uh, I don't have so many pleasurable memories about configuring my, my web servers. And uh, I think another great thing is uh, knowing that even though it's just a simple function that you write, you could actually write them in the browser. You could do that for quite a while. And uh, you can also write them in your Visual Studio IDE. Uh, have them compiled, which makes them a bit more performance. And then uh, what, it, what you can also do is you can actually use all your Don Echo, so you can load in DLL libraries that you want to use or all your favorite NuGet packages. And since it's running on the latest .NET Core 3.1, I mean, it's also quite performant code. So a lot of a lot of it is quite to like, I think. And uh, another cool thing is, I mean, we are all C-sharp developers or 
uh, I, I sometimes dabble with F Sharp, to be honest. So let's call us .NET developers. Uh, <laughs> but um, I also like the idea that it's not only just like for for us .NET guys. Uh, you can also write JavaScript uh, on it. Uh, it supports Node. You can write Java uh, for those. Okay, I won't I won't drop any names now because yeah, uh, and yeah, even even PowerShell is supported, uh, which uh, yeah, I didn't know that you can write cloud server code with PowerShell before I read that, but um, I'm sure it's helpful for for some people and uh, it's a super easy way to to write your first web server. Yeah, it's it's very cool. And you say like the the performance of .NET Core three point one, but yeah, that all also enables this this cross platform kind of all languages support kind of things, uh, because it doesn't just run on on Windows. I mean it, the power of of these azure functions is that you don't have to care but uh, you can run these on linux but also on windows and and basically anywhere so that's really cool yeah you can you can actually even run them on prem um yeah. there's there's the iot uh edge uh framework that you can install and they come with functions so you can uh, have your little uh functions uh not only running in the cloud but you could reuse them or use the same uh, architecture to to let them run locally uh, or on premise, which I think is is quite a cool feature. So, thinking about the the general thing, like what are the uh, like the approaches where you think uh, Azure Functions would suit best? If I were starting out with Azure Functions, are there like any scenarios where you say, "Hey, these are the scenarios where Azure Functions were thought out for"? For me, at least the like you said, the whole idea that you don't need to put up your own ASP.NET Web API kind of deal or or just, uh, well, any IIS-based web hosting uh, f- to get your API data uh, retrieved. So that, that's that's just basically what you do is you write your, your same API methods as you would normally do in such a project, but you just write the methods and that's it. Um, so all that other server mumbo jumbo is abstracted away for you. So I, I really like it for that. Uh, if you have the option to go that way, obviously it, it depends on if the data is publicly available. But that that's one of the scenarios that I really like personally. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you can you can. There's very powerful stuff. I mean, you can make it as big and small as you want because. Uh, a function in itself is very small, but you can you can combine it with all kinds of other Azure services. You have the API management, right? So API management will give you uh, some kind of proxy layer in between where you can expose API endpoints. So you can expose basically HTTP endpoints um, and you can put that up as some kind of a facade. So the outside user, the end user will just connect through that API management, go to an endpoint and within API management, it will go get routed to something that you configure as the developer. Um, so that, that makes it easy to have a lot of Azure functions that do just like insert user, update user, delete user, uh, to name a, a very common scenario. Uh, those can be three different functions. But for the outside user, it can look like one big API, one big traditional like API. Um, and that also makes it very easy for like transition scenarios where you are stuck with a big monolithic uh, API that you might still have. 
um, and you can break it up uh, piece by piece by uh, first breaking off the um, create user piece and put that in an Azure function. And in your API management layer, you can gen, uh, you can then route that to the Azure function instead of the, the old application uh, while having the other still intact and still going to your old application. So uh, there's, there's a lot of power there and you can do everything that you uh, are used to in your, uh, uh, let's call it legacy API project. So uh, yeah, there's, there's not much that you can't do. It's just another way of, of thinking about it and, and some other things that um, you have to think about. Yeah, I think you could really pretty much re-architecture your entire, or well, probably not your entire, but a lot of your app um, to, to work on just functions and all the different types of input and output that it gives you. Um, so if you have a, a big process, like Gerald says, chuck it up into parts, and I think a lot of them can be made into a function of some sort. Yeah, what I also like is uh, what you already uh, mentioned uh, earlier, Stephen. Is uh, it's it's all a bit trigger based, so you can uh, it can be an HTTP call that you make in, and uh, which you then you can also secure it up. You can put some uh, authentication layers in front, or you can put some proxying in front. So even though it's just a single function, it becomes uh, quite powerful what you can do, uh, as Gerald also mentioned. And uh, the thing is, like I. I really like these flows where you have like triggers uh, doing something. So you can have uh, the HTTP call, uh, but you can also um, have them triggered at queues, as you hinted before, Stephen. And another thing that I find quite handy is the timer-based approach. So you can actually have a uh, a function that cleans up stuff. And I, I know that there are some people out there that have a, like, a, I think one example is the Azure resources. Like if you have some resources that you haven't touched in a couple of months, um, they have a, a Azure function which is uh, running on a timer and you will just check all those resources and if they're no longer used, they are deleted. And you could, uh, I think there are quite some scenarios uh, that you sometimes find in the in a business application or in the real world where you say like, it would be really cool if I would have like a little function that's being started then and again uh, to do some interaction. And uh, that's, that's also something that you can do uh, with these Azure functions. And with that, um, I think there are some quite nice upsides with this uh, trigger-based uh, functionality. Yeah, so that's that's really a cool thing about this that you can have this um, declarative way of of communicating with uh, the function. I mean, it's a bit hard to explain with just a podcast, but uh, you can you can hook this up uh, to yes, HTTP messages. So that would be your regular um, REST API kind of approach. But you have all these kinds of connectors, uh, triggers. So you have input triggers, um, and um, no, I, I have to say bindings. So you have triggers, uh, which basically trigger the function to to do its thing, and then you have the input bindings and output bindings. And you can you can actually create a trigger that has, uh, well, maybe not even a single line of code or one or two. Uh, that can take a record from a Azure Cosmos DB database, transform it into a JSON object, and write that to Azure Blob Storage uh, without having to write any code uh, on how to retrieve that record from the database or how where to write that JSON file in the uh, in the Blob Storage. And there's a whole bunch of predefined bindings that you can use to, yeah, retrieve all kinds of records, and that can also uh, be the triggers for things. Um, so that's that's really cool. 
Yeah, and the, another thing that I really like is the the fact that if you're not using them, then it it almost doesn't cost you anything. Um, when when you make your Azure Functions app, I think they call it in in Azure, um, you basically say, do you want to have this built on a uh, consumption basis or just on a specific plan that they have predefined, which obviously gives you more um, resources from the get-go. But the whole consumption plan, if, you, if you're really not that intensive in the resources that you're going to use, it's, it's really cheap. Because, for example, a, a, an Azure function that runs every five minutes and does some API calls, basically, it'll, it'll cost you a few cents, I think, in total per month. It's it's absolutely bizarre. Yeah, so that's a big advantage of this this whole thing as well. Um, it's really really cheap, and that is because you know if you think about it, it's really weird if you have this traditional REST API thing that is just sitting there turned on twenty four seven, waiting for requests while requests maybe only come in uh, one hour a day. Um, so that's that's really something that the Azure function takes away. They only run whenever they need to. Um, so that's also why they're really cheap because they're, they, whenever they are triggered, um, the code is taken from cold storage, it's deployed very fast, and then it does its thing. Um, and then after some time, I mean, it does wait for maybe some consecutive calls or that kind of thing. Uh, but after some time, the function is killed again. It goes back to cold storage. So that's that's where you have it. You don't want to have this stateless, uh, the stateful thing. Um, it gets killed, and yeah, that's why it's very, very cheap. I think you can even do millions of calls uh, in the in the consumption plan for free, uh, basically. Uh, but because it's deployed each time, you have this cold startup time. So that's something to take into account. The first call that you do to a function might take a few seconds, also depending on how many NuGet packages you're pulling in, that kind of stuff. Uh, but you have other plans where you have a more predictable startup time and also uh, you have some more uh, influence on the scaling of things. But yeah, that will also automatically cost you a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I also like this uh, the scalable approach. I mean, it's not only cheap, but it also guarantees that if you should have a service that gets uh, flooded with um, events and really gets hammered, uh, it will scale out quite nicely because uh, it's usually... Uh, only doing like a, a certain chunk of a, of an operation, and that means you could also parallelize functions next to each other, and they then work. So you could also have multiple functions uh, working off the queue, uh, stuff like that, uh, all, all running in parallel. And I think that's a really powerful um, way how you can write apps that have to also be able to scale up um, should should the need arise, which is which is. I think in the most basic plan that uh, the scaling happens automatically, like I like I just mentioned, um, and you can have some more influence. Like that's that can also be very uh, dangerous because it, it it scales automatically. So whenever it sees the load goes up, it will scale basically infinitely. It will just add more and more instances of that same function and do its thing. Uh, so if that that goes high enough, then uh, yeah, that will still present a big bill. Uh, so if you go to the other plan that you can also say like, okay, I want the scaling to be at maximum um, this much. So then you have more predictable costs. Uh, but if you know that the load is going to be not very high, at least to start from, um, then yeah, you can go with the consumption plan and your cost will be near to nothing. 
Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's really good to know. It's like if you if you really want to be budget aware, or you uh, want you to spend a certain amount, and you don't really care about saving uh, that much, you just want to go sure that you you have your resources reserved, and and you want to know the costs. Uh, you can reserve. You can run it on reserve resources, which is just like uh, renting a machine to run your ASP.NET core application in the cloud or, or whatever you want to have. Now, since you mentioned it before, Stephen, you, you've you've done the one or the other Azure Functions application. Do you have any uh, tips for for us? Uh, is, is things to be aware of that could go wrong. Um, well, there there is a few things that uh, that don't always work the way you think they should. Um, so for example, a, a queue trigger, I've noticed, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the item that you're pushing on the queue gets processed just once. There are, are different models, I think, in that whole queue trigger mechanism that you can use, um, but some of them don't guarantee that it runs just the one time. Um, so if you if you're changing data and you don't want to have that data changed again by a subsequent run. Um, obviously, you should be looking into that and, and choosing the mode that does make it happen only just once. Or if, if you have a function that updates something and you wrap it in a, in a if statement, basically, that if certain data is already adjusted, just don't run it again. There's, there's ways around that, obviously. And the thing is also they, like Gerald already mentioned, I think they, they should really be short running because I think after five minutes of runtime, it, it gets killed by the, um, well, the, the managing process that runs that function. So it, it really shouldn't be something that's long running. Just fire and forget, uh, get your work done and either push some output somewhere and continue on through that path. But I think they, there's also a solution for that, right? I mean, I, I know it exists, but I don't have any experience with it. That's more like the orchestrations and the durable functions thing, right? Yeah, I've, I've quickly dabbled a bit with that, not that much. Um, but what it basically means is that you have a an orchestrator function in which you can um, await different other functions that you have. So you can really chain stuff together. So if the, if the first function returns something that you really want to wait on, um, you can await that specific function in that, in that orchestrator and then do something with the value it returns and move on through that whole orchestration process. Okay. Or you could, you could also use things like uh, task one all to just fire off a few things that you need to have happen first. Um, but that's all through that, that orchestration function which comes from durable functions. So that does in basically add some more state into your function where the original idea was it's stateless um, server code that you're running. So I, I think it's a more recent addition. So I guess there was a uh, demand from customers that they would still want to write something um, that has a bit more state awareness. But just not worry about all the well, all the other infrastructure, I guess. Do we have any idea where the functions are going? I mean, there's probably some more development that can go in here. Do are there any future plans? Any roadmaps? I assume we're recording this pre-build. I assume there will be some announcements uh, being made at build. Uh, I am not aware of uh, anything right now, but uh, I am pretty sure that the Azure Functions developments will be continuing. 
since uh, with, with a lot of people that I'm talking around, they, they really seem to like this approach, this lightweight approach that Azure Functions provides. Cool. So are there any, like, we, we everyone likes this. Everyone is talking about it. Are there any, did, did one of you build some real life solutions with it? I think uh, Stephen mentioned something. Uh, I think one very famous uh, example that might be using this is the Have I Been Pwned uh, website kind of solution thing by Troy Hunt. Yeah, yeah. And for those listeners that might not know yet, have I been pawned, even though it's been, I think, all over the news, you can register your email address there and it will tell you if it's ever been leaked in a hack. So, yeah, I've, I've found uh, some of my email addresses have been uh, in a hack dumped and leaked, and that's always scary. But uh, what it also shows is um, have I been pawned? Uh, has a lot of requests and uh, I think behind it will just be a, a gigantic database with all the information from all the leaks and it seems to be scaling pretty well and we will be putting a link into the show notes uh, where Troy Hunt actually shows how he migrated it over and what that meant in drop of costs uh, moving over to Azure Functions. Yeah so that's a really cool solution and he is really open about like the technical solutions for that and and like you say also the costs so that's that's very interesting that's a very interesting case to to see and probably also something that you can take to your manager with like hey look this is a real life solution uh millions of users battle tested um and it still only costs a few bucks um so yeah that's that's really cool stuff but did any of you build any anything that's running today I, uh, I'm still running my my trading uh, bots basically, so that that's pretty much just a, a bot monitoring some Bitcoin prices and buying and selling based on specific conditions. Um, but that's all running on on timer based um, Azure functions. Okay, so so can I say if you ever get rich, please don't forget us, Stephen. <laughs> you might We're be best able friends to in the entire world. If you, if you really want, we are best friends. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So that that's just one of the things I have running on there. Okay, uh, so um, but what I did once play a bit around with is the idea of having like uh, a a spa application, a single page application written in uh, JavaScript, or now nowadays you can also do it. Uh, with a blazer and so you got all the code is more or less running on the on the clients and uh, whenever you fetch some information from a database uh, uh, you can then write a, a little function and what this allows you is to have really really small code and it's like super cheap because you can have your entire website statically uh, on a file storage which will then be loaded by the client and the calls will then be made to the azure function and that means, yeah, you, you really run some sites on pennies since all the compute is actually happening on the client. And and uh, that, what it's also really good for, uh, that's basically where I used it most uh, until now at least, is for like prototyping things and, and yeah, doing like really small things uh, that, that we've mentioned now a couple of times. But uh, related to the mobile development, uh, I've written some functions that can easily trigger like push notifications. That's something that you can do, for instance. Uh, go to that function. You can easily trigger something from whatever um, product that you have in place already and you want to hook that up to your uh, mobile solution. Uh, I mean, it's just an HTTP call. 
Um, so you can just invoke that endpoint and it can send a push notification to whatever the things you want through another Azure service. Um, or another thing that I've done is like create webhooks to GitHub or Slack or, or Teams or whatever um, to just make that kind of things uh, and integrations and, and glue, uh, like, like Mark already said, um, to just tie a couple of things together. Uh, you can very quickly start from the Azure portal. You can just use C-sharp script uh, from the Azure portal and you don't even have to have a full IDE. Um, and now you can do it in the code space. So now we're full circle. And I think that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and hope to hear you next week on No Pointers. We've been your host, Stephen Davison, Mark Alibon, and Gerald Fleiss. Please leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform or on Twitter. Uh, we love to hear from you and we will see you next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.